confidence is a really interesting issue because I would say, actually, that I really wasn't at all confident. I am overwhelmed and delighted to be inviting my very special guest today, Melinda Messenger. Hello, how are you? Hello, Esther. I'm really good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Now, Melinda Messenger, when I say I'm speaking to Melinda Messenger, people know you because you were a model in the 90s, 80s, was it 80s or 90s? Nin I'm aging you now. The, in the 90s. <laughs> I'm already aged enough. I've just you look so young. <laughs> yeah. And 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 but now you're a psychotherapist, so you've gone from model and beauty and the girl, the gorgeous girl from Swindon <laughs> with that smile. And then you went quiet for a bit, and now now you're a psychotherapist. So you you know all about bouncing back, which is what we're going to be talking about today. First of all, how are you finding working remotely and being virtual and, and going and doing radio and everything kind of from the comfort of your own home? Yeah, well, it's like everything, isn't it? When you get a new challenge, you know, it's a bit daunting. You wonder, how is this going to work? Is it going to be manageable? And then, you know, you find your way through it like like we all do. We just kind of, you know, figure it out as we go along. And and for me, what I've found is, again, like everything, there's positives and, and negatives. So for me, the positives of working online is there's no travel. You know, you don't have to travel in to see people. So if I'm doing TV interviews or recordings or something like this, I can do it from the comfort of home, you know, usually in my leggings or pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> from the waist down. <laughs> yeah. You know, with a cup of tea and you, it's just, that's, that's quite easy. And I like that. It's comfortable. It feels relaxed. You know, I can see clients online. They don't have to travel. They're in the comfort of their own home. So those things for me are the kind of, positives and then there is that there are you know some downsides so the downsides for me is that you've kind of got technology in the way of the of the natural interaction you yeah. know so, so often I'll be in the middle of a call a zoom call or whatever and you know the internet goes down or there's a connection break but what again what I've kind of discovered it's it's just becoming okay with that just understanding that that's the kind of the realm that we're currently working in and that's part and parcel of it so if you don't let it stress you out if you just accept that 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 is going to happen and you can kind of tolerate that then it, it doesn't become such an issue there is this kind of factor, I think, with Zoom and working from home it's quite a disinhibitor you know so people feel probably a lot more open um, because they're in their own safe space. You know, there isn't that in-person reality of the setting that you're in. So you, we can kind of disconnect a little bit. So that's quite interesting to see what happens. You know, it, it might be that we leak out a bit more of our personal lives or <laughs> we particularly want to. Um, and I think we've probably ha all had plenty of those Zoom issues so far. Yeah, what have you, have you? I mean, obviously, there's some corkers that have, have gone viral, like the 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 cat. 
<laughs> the poor Texan lawyer who's he he was live. I'm not a cat, but I am here alive. You know, which which I which I can't help mentioning frequently these days because that is probably going to be the image of lockdown: having a cat and 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 you know a, a sausage and a potato. A boss was a potato, <laughs> and and then obviously the, the you know uh, people that it's got undressed and did various other things that they shouldn't have been doing with cameras on it's awesome, um, isn't it? uh, that is so relatable and it is it's like a, it really captures what we're doing because we are at home most people aren't kind of technology savvy you know I have had to get my daughter to help set me up on everything so, <laughs> you know, I so relate to that the, yeah the poor guy with the, the cat filter on or <laughs> all those scenarios because that's that's you know that's not us in Whilst, you know, he's trying to do his professional job, he's at home. All the boundaries get so mixed up. You know, you've got kids wandering in and out, dogs dog barking. I'm just talking about my house. Um, <laughs> I had what I, I was on a, a Zoom call because I'm currently studying to do an MA and I was part of my group and we'd taken a little break and I'd forgotten that I hadn't switched my camera or mic off, you know, and I've got my son coming in. About a deeply personal situation that's going on, and we're talking about that, and all of a sudden I hear a polite, <coughs> you know, Melinda, I think your your mic's on. Uh, yeah. oh you should know that from working in television. You know, you learn very early on, don't you, that the walls have ears. So uh, <laughs> the walls have ears, and the cams have eyes. That's so true. My first ever TV, obviously having no idea what I was doing, was live TV. And I'd gone to the loo with my mic pack on and they'd recorded it. Oh, yes. Well, I learned that one. That no. You know what, though? What I think it shows us is that we're all human, that, you know, it shows the kind of the human side of us all rather than necessarily the polished product that we you were used to seeing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's fascinating um, thinking about your career and your levels of confidence, because now, now that you are actually going into people's brains and figuring out how we tick and how you tick, and you must have learned a lot about yourself from from becoming a, a psychotherapist and you're doing an MA. So that's pretty impressive. <laughs> but let's talk about the, the confidence then. I mean, when you shot to fame, how did you have the confidence to stand up in front of all those photographers, for one thing, and, and then to be plastered all over the papers. Like, did you remember when you think back? Yeah, I do remember very well. Confidence is a really interesting issue because I would say, actually, that I really wasn't at all confident. And the biggest challenges for me, is because within sort of a few months of doing the modelling, I was then being offered TV work. So I was hosting TV shows, you know, live programmes, all sorts, chat shows, game shows. And so completely out of my comfort zone and sort of having to learn on the job what I was doing. So for me, where I kind of found the ability to do that was in the sense of I would just bring it all back back down to the kind of basics, the here and now. So, you know, for example, I get offered those very early days, I was offered a chat show and I thought, well, I've got no idea to how to do that. I don't know how you talk to camera, how you read autocue, how you interview people. And then I thought, well, hang on a minute, what exactly is it I'm doing? You know, I take, I strip away all the excess. So I don't think about the fact that you've got millions of people watching you or there's a live studio audience. I just thought essentially what I'm doing here is talking. 
I'm talking to somebody, I'm finding out about a person. I can do that. That's really not that hard. So that's how I would manage it. I wouldn't get lost in the story of like, this is huge. How am I going to manage? I would boil it back down to what am I really being asked to do? If it's being photographed, well, I'm just being asked to stand there and smile. Fine. That's not hard. So, you know. (laughs) There was, I think for me, I definitely realised that I have this kind of, it would almost be like the archetype of the fool where you go into something kind of quite innocently or naively. So you're not, you're not weighed down by the huge ramifications of what you might be entering into. And from that place, you can actually be quite brave and quite courageous. And you take, you know, you can take risks because, you know, what is the risk? I I didn't really care too much about making a fool of myself, you know, or if people didn't like what I was doing. You know, I didn't really, I didn't think about that too much. I, I, I just thought, this is what this is the opportunity this is what I've been asked to do what is the reality of it step up and chat fine yeah I can do that you know and then so what if it all goes horribly wrong that's just life isn't it but in terms of confidence yeah there would be times I had a real battle with that I got offered one big tv show for the BBC it was a big game show I was so nervous you know leading up to going in to to record it which Um, one was that do you know, I can't even remember the name. <laughs> Do you remember any of the presenters or anything? No, it was just me. That's what I think was like so tough. <laughs> um, but it was a big prime time BBC game show. And I can remember saying to to Wayne, my husband at the time, I just don't want to do this. I really don't want to. Do I'm so scared. You know, I said, I said, can you just break my legs or something so I don't have to go in? And so I I always had to do this kind of internal juggle to bring myself back to a place of, okay, what are you worried about? You know, forget, forget that kind of, forget the kind of concerns and the mind worries and and just stay with what it is that you're doing. Um, Is there a name for that in in, in psychological terms? You call it, is it it got a special kind of, you you know, do you label something like that? Well, I think it's about, recognizing the kind of present moment really and being in reality because of yeah. course, you know most of our anxieties are sort of projections into the future aren't they about what might go wrong what might happen you know they're all the kind of future worries which you know they haven't even happened so why are we worrying about them but if you it, it, you know if you come back to the present moment if you stay in reality what is the reality right now the reality right now is we're just talking to each other So when you do that, you strip away the kind of excess stress and and the stories that that then might kind of contaminate your thinking or affect that ability to have your kind of natural confidence. So for me, that confidence is, you know, there's like a a sort of a false egoic state of confidence. And then there's a natural way of being that's confident. So a lot of my clients might talk about fake it till you make it. Um, you know, just pretend that you just pretend <laughs> that everything's normal and just talking. So a lot of my clients that might go for job interviews or they're worried about being on camera or they feel like they make, might make a fool of themselves. Sometimes some of these techniques of smile, look at the camera, 
they really help and that they help because it's proven that that has a physiological impact on our system so if you think about what happens when you're getting anxious your whole nervous system is becoming dysregulated you know the vagus nerves get activated suddenly you know the fight and flight responses switch on your breathing gets shallow the heart rate speeds up and then the ability to kind of think clearly really starts to shut off your body's sort of getting into this primordial state that it's got to deal with a a threat and so if anything that you can do to calm that nervous system down and bring yourself back into regulation and methods like that you're talking about you know just even smiling just consider that you're with a friend these are all going to affect that sort of parasympathetic nervous system you're going to come into a balance and then when you're in that nice balance you know that sort of homeostasis then then thinking is easier, your responses are more natural. So it's so true. It it does absolutely work. Just I'm so help. glad because <laughs> a lot of these a lot of these techniques are in my book Goodbye Glossophobia Banish Your Fear of Public Speaking because I used to be a very very nervous speaker. I'm a very late developer generally in life in terms of having the confidence to do this, having the confidence to stand up in front of an audience, having the confidence to share having the confidence to blog, to go on social media. Social media is a whole different conversation, actually. But, um, but now, with all of your amazing knowledge and, and your, your scientific knowledge, if you think about it now, do you, do you think that you, do you think if knowing what you know now, <laughs> back at when you first shot to fame, do you think knowing what you know now, you might, you might have thought, I might not do this? Well, what do you think? Well, that's an interesting one because I'm kind of revisiting it now, but with a different kind of inner state of being. I, I would say it was really challenging for me, especially in the sort of first 10 years. It was quite a challenge. It was always an internal battle to, to think, oh, do I want to do this? Can I do this? But I would... I was kind of driven with different motivation, you know, so it was like, oh, well, it's a challenge. I want to overcome it. Or, you know, I might I might have felt like I had to do it. So I would always find that way through. Whereas now that I feel much more comfortable internally. So the stresses that I experienced internally then I don't have now. Um, so if I did it, it would be easier for sure. Because you have the tools to get, to get over oh. your worries. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm just more kind of conscious about that in a state. I mean, a lot of it I did naturally back then. I, I look back and realise I didn't know I was doing it. But now I can see what I was doing was I was just putting myself into a state of regulation. But you're doing it intuitively rather than well, yeah. you're not a professor. You weren't a professor back then. <laughs> no, I, well, how am I going to get through this one? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, at the moment, there's so much. Um, OK, so the way that we are operating on this in this, well, we're, we're, we're going to be more virtual now, even when we become more normal, if there is any such thing as normal anymore. There's still going to be a lot more digital um, working online presence, social media. Um, it, it's its really building up um, anxiety for a lot of people. You've got teenage children as well, haven't you? How do you find, in terms of confidence, do you think that that is a problem, social media and the way that we are quite exposed now? Yeah, I do. I think it's really complex, actually. You know, and its I, I'm always fascinated by, like, what's really at the root of everything. So when I look at, like, the kind of phenomena that we're in with social media, how I read that, and, you know, it's not necessarily true, but how, what I see in it is that there's a kind of a deep, innate part of every human being to be seen 
you know, and when I say be seen, it's kind of to be seen as who they are, you know, to sort of be acknowledged. And and I often wonder about how social media it's kind of like it taps into that need to be seen and to connect with each other because that is what we're meant to do as human beings you know that's what we kind of have an urge to do but then how do we get seen and how do we show ourselves I think then becomes a real issue so because there's fears you know there's so many layers to this because there's a wanting to be socially acceptable wanting to be liked uh, wanting to be perceived as you know okay or you know beautiful or bright or confident or whatever it might be then we can fall into some traps I think sometimes of either feeling that we have to sort of fit behind a mask and then so we project that mask or seeing the masks of others and, and mistaking that for reality so we're, we're kind of in this state where we're trying to look at like you know what's real and what's not real yeah. and the more we get like comfortable with the fact that none of us have to be perfect you know and we're all okay then the more of those sort of social pressures that we see in social media I think will start to fall away but it's really natural you know my teenage daughter she doesn't want her zoom camera on when she's in class you know nor does mine they can't they're, they're so weird she'll have her camera on with her friend on her mobile while she's in her class without her camera on yeah so she's got her friend like we've got we've got a little secret webcam thing going on here but it's our little secret webcam that we're not going to be broadcasting because it's, we just want to be able to connect with each other because I think we're both that sort of person where we need to look into somebody's eyes and smile and see what the body language reactions are for each other it makes it easier to have this conversation because we're in a remote studio you know no, no, it sounds very we, professional. Isn't that funny? That, yeah, because we our social cues, you know, we're we're picking up on our social cues from one another. We and all the kind of nonverbal communication. Whereas, yeah, if it's just audio, you know, you haven't got that. Sometimes just it's, audio can be quite intimate. But I think when in, in something like a going back to your teenager, when it when it's a class setting, and when I'm working with clients, when there's people in meetings. Sometimes I think people do feel that pressure, what you were describing earlier beautifully, that fear, that the layers of wanting to be seen, but actually wanting to be seen as dot, 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 and not wanting to show up and, and not wanting to put their cameras on because they don't want to be seen in a particular light. It, it is, it's very complicated. This whole virtual world has, has opened up a can of worms, hasn't it? It, it has, <laughs> and, and, and I I think also that for some people, they don't necessarily feel safe in that environment um, because it, if you were in the physical environment, you'd be walking in, you'd be connecting. There's lots and lots of subtleties that we kind of miss, you know, the sort of nod, the acknowledgement of somebody, the quick hello and catch up. And these are the tiny little minutiae of sort of social interaction that sort of greases the wheels to make these things more comfortable and at ease but of course in an online setting that transition doesn't happen you are instantly transported into the same space yeah so, so actually a really good tip there might be for people that are running back-to-back -back teams and zooms and webex meetings is to have a little spiel at the beginning of, of each meeting that says it's okay to feel a bit uncomfortable but we'd love to see you today please put your camera on we'd love to see you just you know we're not going to judge you you don't have to be perfect 
as well, Esther, you know, build in some of that kind of interaction time. So have, you know, five, 10 minutes where, where people, as if they would in real life, would walk in the door and put their bag down and get a coffee and say hello to somebody and smile at someone else. Build that in before you start the work, that five minutes of just, oh, you know, oh, where are you today? Or, you know, how are you? So that people can, ha can sort of settle into the space. And, and then at the end of, you know, whatever work you're doing, you, you know, maybe you leave it open for another five, 10 minutes so people can just do the, okay, you know, lovely to see you. Oh, you know, how's, how's everything with whatever and have that kind of closing before they leave the space. Yeah, that's so funny because um, with my clients, there's definitely a 50-50 divide with some people that like small talk and some people that really don't like small talk. And they would much rather on an, in an online setting not dial in early and just dial in exactly on the hour with a slide or with the content ready to go as if it's a broadcast without that embarrassing, awkward silence. And the other half are like, I need to just say hello and be a human being. And then the other half are like, no, you're wasting my time. I want to get down to business because, you know, <laughs> so that's a great topic. And we're definitely going to revisit that topic at some point, Melinda, you and I are going to do a whole thing on that. <laughs> I'd love to talk about perfectionism because one of one of the I've been asking all my guests this and one of my big mantras in life and I and I I'm still working on it is the the 60% issue which is really a bit of a gender issue where you know men are more likely to be to to pipe up in a meeting for example and it's been written about and there's been studies on this and it's um and they're more likely to go for a job if they're 60% sure they'll men are more likely to take a punt and speak up whereas women are much more likely to go oh, I'm not 100% I won't go for it I won't open my mouth I'm not perfect and people and women quite often have got a bit of a perfectionism, getting themselves in a bit of a perfectionist trap where they don't want to speak or make a fool of themselves or be seen in the wrong light, say something silly. And um, and so one of my mantras is if, if you could wake up in the morning and say, I only need to be 80 percent perfect, you know, yeah. will that set you free? What do you make of the 80 percent perfect phenomenon? I would, I, I would say. We don't have to be perfect at all, um, and that our kind that we are perfectly imperfect. You know that to be to be human, we already are. You know, at our at our core, we are we are whole and perfect. But in our kind of psychology and the way we think and operate in the world, you know, there isn't such a thing as perfection. It's that that perfection is a real trap you know it's a real part of the critical mind that says to you oh you, you're not good enough or or you know you don't look good enough or or you're not you know you're not this enough or that enough um and you know and that's the critical voice and and often what that means when you've got the critical voice which everybody has that inner critic it usually goes hand in hand with the wounded inner child and the wounded inner child is that part of us that we all have that took in messages you know really early on that they had to be a different way you know they had that they had to adapt or be somehow different you know be less angry be you're too bossy you're too angry you're too this you're too sensitive and so they took in this idea we've taken this idea that there's something wrong with us when actually there's nothing wrong with us. So then the critic stands alongside that part to keep it in check. And I think that's what plays out with perfectionism. That's the inner critic talking. And if we can just challenge that, it's only what well, I'm okay. And, and what does it matter? 
you know, what does it matter if, say, you know, I stumble over my words or I don't, not, not quite sure what to say or I don't know the answer or I make a mistake, you know, is that, is that forgivable? I mean, we forgive that in others. That's what makes us human. That's what makes us relatable. You know, that's how we can connect. Do you ever um, come face to face with your inner critic? <laughs> if you can't come face to face. What does your inner critic say to you? Oh my goodness. Well, my, my, you know, I'm conscious of it. So I, I, you know, I try and kind of work with that part of me. Um, but for example, I just did an at home shoot for okay. You know, my inner critic is like, but the house is a mess. It's not clean enough. It's not tidy enough. People are going to judge you. You know, this isn't, this isn't good enough, you know, and I had to really have a, have a word with that part and go, you know what? It's not perfect. You know, the things are, you know, a messy and this is broken and that's tatty and that's not done, but that's okay. That is completely okay. And what am I going to do? Not do it for fear that somebody might judge me? You know, what's that about? You know, it's about us needing that external source of validation to say that you're okay. Well, that will never happen. You can have the entire world tell you you're amazing. If you don't feel it inside, it's not going to make any difference. You'll find fault. You'll find a gap in that. So it's about us being able to validate ourselves and know that we're okay and what we're doing is okay and, and have faith in what we're doing and why we're doing it. If, it's, if you're having to do something for work, have, have faith and have trust that you have something to offer and that's good enough. That's excellent. Is that what you say to your clients? What do you say to your clients when they say, I don't think I'm good enough or I'm scared, I'm fearful, I'm scared? Well, or, what, what's your main advice for that? I would work with that and always find out what the fear is about. Where did this idea come from? What are you scared of? You know, usually that's the child within. What messages, what core beliefs did you take in about yourself? What is the actual fear? Where does it stem from? You know, you know often these things trace right back to our early years when, I don't know, you picked up a message that when you were this way, that was wrong or your parent couldn't necessarily cope with something. And so the child picks up on that and assumes that, that somehow there's something wrong with them they shouldn't behave in a certain way or they mustn't let that happen you know they must please the parent at all time and then what we do is we project that out onto society and onto authority <laughs> so but, yeah it's so funny because quite often you know again we're talking about women in leadership because I work with a lot of um, women leaders first of all there's a perfectionism got to be perfect got to be perfect it's not good enough it's not good enough that kind of weird where do we get that from why do we think we need yeah. to be perfect all the time but the other thing is if you're you're quite often you're either the bossy one or the shut or the quiet one like come on speak up or oh you're so bossy and I was well, I've got four brothers. I was quite often branded as bossy or chatterbox or you know, too over the top and, and those sorts of descriptions. And um, so, so then you get paranoid. So you spend your whole life thinking, oh, no. So I'm you see secretly... like that lens. Yeah, you you <laughs> in a message, you know, that you're bossy or you talk too much. And of course, there's no such thing, is there really? You know, that's a distortion or a distorted view. You know, what you may be, you might have a beautiful sense of, you know, your own authority and your own expression. You know, that's wonderful. If other people can't handle it, that, that that's not that you know that is to do with them not to do with you but if you take in a distorted view of yourself then you're forever trying to you know shut that part down and then of course you shut it down you don't have access to all its qualities and you need all of its qualities 
So you know, I'd love to know, um, Melinda, your advice then. I mean, this isn't just for women, it's for men as well. We are an inclusive, we are an inclusive operation here. <laughs> what is your advice when it comes to confidence and making the best of yourself and being unafraid to get out there and succeed in your field? Gosh, I, I would say... Look at what the fear is and what the fear is really about. You know, is it a fear that you might fail? Is it a fear that you might be judged? Is it a fear that you're kind of not up to standard, which would be your own internal idea of what that standard is? Yes, doctor, uh, it's all of that. <laughs> all the internal ideas, isn't it? And then, you know, if you can look at that and you can be with that, you know, well, also then look at, well, what is there to lose and what is there to gain? So by not trying, sure, you don't risk the failure or the risk of the perceived rejections or humiliations, whatever they might be. But then you don't gain the benefit of what if you can do it? What if you can be out there and succeed? And where else that might take you in life? So it's just about finding the courage, I think, to accept that you don't necessarily need to feel confident in, inside in order to do something you just need a little bravery a little courage a little willingness to take that step and just see what happens you know that what's the worst the world is not going to collapse around your ears you know what's the worst that could happen and and often they are just very kind of you know imagined fears and anxieties but what can be gained yeah, I, what I love is earlier on you were saying people are, um, stop themselves doing something because they think, what if? Um, there's a whole section in, in my book about the public speaking. What if I fail? What if I go red? What if I shake? What if I my yeah. mind goes blank? And you were saying earlier, just thinking about all of the, the reality of the situation, you're, you're, it's all those negative what ifs. What you're saying is if you turn the what ifs into what if? It's brilliant. Yeah. What if I succeed? What if it works? And what if people really like this? And what if it, it what if it's also okay that, you know, I do go red or I do stumble or I do forget something and it's still okay that you can still do that. You know, it, you're really setting yourself up for a failure if you think right from the outset it's got to be perfect and nothing can go wrong because that is not how life operates. Life is life is very different to that. <laughs> <laughs> so what Melinda before we before we say goodbye a couple of things first of all what's next for you what you're doing an MA what's next and anything are we are we looking at are you, is there a book coming well I mean that is kind of on the cards I'm yeah I'm just sort of juggling lots of different aspects at the moment so yes I'm still studying I'm doing an MA in transpersonal psychotherapy I'm working with clients um just doing you know tv and media stuff um so and looking after three teenage children <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's actually uh, quite a lot of your time and energy plenty right now um yeah and just kind of going with it all and and seeing where yeah life takes me well, we're doing a couple of things together as well we're, we're talking about doing our bounce back and doing a few gigs with clients um on how to cope with the next new abnormal whatever we want to call it yeah well, <laughs> how I think to cope yeah and and you know and maybe they're absolutely how, how to come out of lockdown mentally because i think this is going to be a big adjustment for people coming back into the world and coming back into social interactions and absolutely there's there's so many 
so many interesting things ahead and and I am really looking forward to working with you because often it's just about shifting mindsets just shifting internal positions views beliefs challenging old scripts can open up a whole new life for you if you can dare to let those things go I love that. Let's let's end with one practical tip, whether it's a mantra. Okay, so my practical tip is I challenge you, you listening to us now, I challenge you to wake up in the morning and the first thing you do tomorrow morning and do it now and tomorrow morning is say, I'm only going to be 80% perfect today. 80%, yay! That's my little challenge for you. Have you got a practical tip or a little mantra that, that you can leave um, people with today? Yes, I well to kind of add to yours, I, I would also add on, I'm good enough. I am good enough as I am. And what small step can I take today towards some goal that I want to achieve? One small step, be it an email, be it a phone call, a text message, a bit of research. One small step can I take towards manifesting a goal? Because of course we have great big goals and visions, but we only get there by taking one small step at a time and giving yourself permission to do it. Give yourself permission to try. This is your life. It's one life. This is it. It's only us that stand in our way. Excellent. Thank you so much. Give yourself a round of applause. Thank you for listening to the Virtually Confident podcast. This podcast has been produced and recorded by Chatterbox Voices and Alchemy Post. It's also been sponsored by the Speak Like a She-Boss Challenge. Check it out at www.estherstanhope.com.